Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 24, and we're going to be diving into some controversial material in this episode, so we advise all of our viewers, viewers, listeners, to exercise caution, perhaps make sure that you've got the kids out of the room, and, and especially give all the Star Wars fans in your vicinity the signal to put their earmuffs on. That's right, we're going to be talking about episode 8, The Last Jedi, so we'll be calling this one The Last Straw. My name is Todd, and with me as always, and broadcasting from an old phone booth somewhere outside of the last functional Howard Johnson's in the continental United States, using nothing more than a coat hanger and a speaking spell. We make it work! the... <laughs> He is the Barry Windham to my Mike Rotunda. Why take the local when you can hop on the express? I give you the man they call Tim. Hello. How are you, brother? Doing all right. And uh, just uh, can you name the tag team, sir? Uh, that would be, oh, gosh. Uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Was it Might the I have uh, stumped him? U.S. Express or something like that? Oh, nope. we have a winner. All right. Yes. And bonus points if you can name what their uh, what their entrance music was. Uh, that would be Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Well, maybe that was the case at the beginning, but no? they were actually the original owners of the Real American entrance theme before they broke up, and then they gave it to Hulk Hogan. Ah. Well. Yes. It looks like you have one on me, my friend. <laughs> The more you know. That's all. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Wikipedia. Anyways, yeah. joining us this week, we have our first ever guest who is now becoming our first ever return guest. He is one of the co-hosts of Scruffy Looking Podcasters, a stuck-up, half-witted weekly podcast covering Star Wars news and speculation. Welcome back to the Idiot Drome, Mr. Jimmy Dice. Hey, hello, hello, hello. How are we today? Ooh. The Golden Pipes of Jimmy Dice. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lucky hands make big money. There you go. <laughs> Look at, oh, my God. Well, welcome back, sir. Yeah, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me back, guys. I'm surprised because I thought it was so awful the first time. He's like, oh, man, they'll never freaking invite me back. No, no. No, no. You can't be any worse than the two of us. <laughs> it is actually statistically impossible. We've checked. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, if you two are the bottom worst, I must be just the third worst. <laughs> well, hey, as long as you're looking down at somebody, you're you're in good shape. It's just how close they're nipping at your heels. It's the problem. Dude, everybody needs somebody, man. You know. That's right. Exactly. Isn't that that's the old Wilson Pickett song? Mm-hmm. 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 That's going to be the catchphrase for this for for this show right here. 
All right. Well, so before we get too far into this, uh, we always like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and downloading and following and subscribing and all that fun stuff that you can do on the interwebs. You can follow us on the social medias. We love the social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Free Range Idiocy. We're also on YouTube. Yes, sir. We are on the YouTubes. Just search Free Range Idiocy. You'll find our channel. Uh, please subscribe, and that way eventually maybe we'll get one of them fancy custom URLs like all the cool kids have. Uh, which automatically means we don't have it. Um, we're and, and now, and now, you might have heard this, although we've been having trouble actually posting our last episode. I have no idea why, uh, but we only have it on YouTube as of this recording. Uh, hopefully it'll get resolved and we can get that out to the masses. But we are taking questions from the listening audience. I, this is terrifying oh, for that's us. that's a bad idea, man. Yeah. I know. Topics, <laughs> hey, questions. Well, Tim got this idea from you guys, so if this goes south, I fully blame you. You know, I figure, what the hey, you know, we'll get some people to throw some topics at us, see if we can uh, field them, and, uh, you know, some questions and stuff. My my, my sister-in-law, I think, is going to be all over this, so we'll, we'll get some content from her. And, nice. Uh, and yeah, we'll, well, and, we'll and your and your brother-in-law is going to be all over it because you know yeah. you've introduced him to Civilization Six, so he's well, probably living in his garage right now. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, hey, Tim, you got a place I could stay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on down to the basement. We'll play some, uh, you know, Civilization Six networked. There we go. All right, so what's the email address for the folks? Uh, that would be Tim at freerangeidiocy.com. Yes, indeed. So send all of your questions and solicitations and greetings and outright b- offers of bribery to Tim yes. at freerangeidiocy.com, which mm. is also you can go to freerangeidiocy.com. That will take us. That will take us. That will take you right to our Podbean page. You can see all of our episodes. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. So that takes care of all of the housekeeping i believe do you see how that worked so, out though like like how how your your motivation to to get over the everest that was youtube and spotify has uh, provided us with a little bit of redundancy for when the uh, the pod bean fails us yeah and you know what it's all just idiot's luck because i i did not plan any of this <laughs> come on it was all part of the master plan okay sure it was i'll take that <laughs> Well, that brings us to our, our one of our favorite segments. It's the, the first segment of the show, if you will, and it is also usually the highlight, and we just go straight downhill from here. But what the heck, why fight tradition? Gentlemen, uh, what you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Ooh, nice. So nice. we got another can. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tim, what you, what you got over there? Uh, so, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I go to the store to find some interesting, you know, brews to bring on the show. And somehow I'm, I'm staying within the state of Illinois as I'm doing it somehow. So this is this is from Bourbonnet, Illinois. It's uh, clocking it at a 6.25 ABV. It's a Brickstone Brewery American Pale Ale, or as they have blasted all over the can, APA. Do you know who I am? Yeah, I know who you are. Who am I? God, about to get your kicked. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sampling a little bit of that tonight. <laughs> you, you do enjoy exploring the upper reaches of the of the ABV section. I, I will give you that. I feel like a complete wuss compared to well, compared to you. I'm, I'm I'm trying to be careful though. You know, you don't want to go too high because then you end up you know you know falling asleep about halfway through the recording. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what's going on? <laughs> it's all over. It's all over. Well, 
we're we're old, so we can get away with that. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, what what do you got going on over there? You know, I got a nice iced coffee right now. Trash pots! <laughs> wow, mm-hmm. what kind of iced coffee? At least, at least give us a, a rundown. ABV, on. Is this a homebrew sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got a nice uh, coffee by design Rebel Ooh. Blend. Uh, leftover from the pot this morning that I froze into my whiskey cube tray. So it's a nice, mm. solid, rectangular prism shop corners. Uh, and I put that into my little Yeti container, fill it with more coffee, and mm. a splash of cream, a little bit of Bailey's, and poof, there we go. Off we are. Wow. Very nice. Fresh pots! <laughs> yeah, we got an aristocrat with us. Sure, sure. Alexa- Brandy Alexander's all around. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking orange whip, but okay, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> that just goes to show our, our differing levels of sophistication right there. <laughs> oh, we're You're all going with a, we're all sophisticated here. Oh, sure. All right, you just go ahead and lie to the public. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, as from as for myself, I'm enjoying yet another Geary's Ixnay gluten removed pale ale. Uh, it's just so good. I just I can't I can't quit it. I can't quit it. Nice. I had to go back. Right. So, anyways, gentlemen, uh, let's get into this because we the last time we had we had Jimmy on, he was we were talking about the rise of Skywalker, um, and we kind of ended up talking about this movie in a in a sort of side view to that, and and figured, well, why not? Let's go back and explore this because this movie is fairly. I think we we. And Jim, Jimmy, you agree this was a good term, divisive movie for Star Wars fans. Yeah. So let, let's ha- let's have you lead this off because you are our expert. Oh, Why man. is this such a? Div- yeah, I know we're it's it's terrifying <laughs> for us too. Uh, why is this such a divisive movie for Star Wars fans? I mean, you well, it's such a divi- divisive movie in the new trilogy because it was it came at a time when people were still harping on JJ for making the force awakens seem like a new hope and for killing off Han Solo the way they did. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also that really small, but yet toxically vocal group out there that just didn't really like female actors, uh, actresses, excuse me. And, um, any sort of female roles in the star Wars uh, universe. So seeing so much attention paid on paid to Rose, which I thought was an awesome new character that contributed a lot to the story there's a lot of that going on it just it just came at a real weird time you know like we're just we're all discovering this whole the whole things in the social media world about fake news and all this other stuff and in, in the, the the cesspool that we all know and love is the internet is just <laughs> take it or leave it man there's a lot of stuff in and out of there and uh this, yeah. this just came at a real time when everybody like a nose and an ass has an opinion <laughs> Right on. You know? No apologies to all those folks out there without noses and asses. We, <laughs> there is no offense, no. whatsoever. You know. By the way, the, the opinions of Jimmy Dice do not necessarily reflect those of Free Range Idiots. <laughs> nah, but they should. Oh wait a minute! <laughs> I forgot. Nobody nobody takes us seriously enough to actually pay any attention to what we say, anyway. So never mind. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, on the on the flip side of that, like. I I loved the the way that Ryan Ryan Reen Johnson started to take take Star Wars. You know, it's a little bit of a darker sense to it. You saw mm-hmm. a very depressed and sad and emo like Luke Skywalker. Um, it, it was very different from the 
shoot 'em up, go go getter episodes, action heroes that we're used to seeing, like in the original trilogy and prequel trilogy, and with really even Force Awakens too. You know, you have your action hero characters come in to save the day. Um, mm-hmm. You have a lot. There's a lot more self reflection and maybe some existential thinking. You know, some 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 inward self reflection. I'll say. I, I I would agree with with all of that. The only thing I would I would probably argue with is the the emo label <laughs> for Luke, only because I I think that it's more just he's just grumpy. He is a grumpy old bastard, <laughs> you know, in this movie, and there's no way around it. And I think that was one of the things that really ticked off a lot of people. But to me, and maybe this says a lot about me getting older, I totally get it. You know, like Luke is is kind of at that stage of, of disillusionment and grumpiness and, you know, but I think it all makes sense. I really, unlike a lot of folks that I, I've, I've seen talk about this movie, I loved what they did with this character. And I know that even Mark Hamill wasn't crazy about this. Mm, about what, But man, I, I love it. I think it was such a great way to go with the character. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I I kind of look at it too as, and and we'll we'll get into where we we kind of slot this in in terms of the other movies. But um, I think what stood out for me was just the the just the new direction I felt Johnson was trying to take the story, and and try to break some new ground because I think that was that was something like like you were saying, you know, James, the that with J.J. Abrams, it was just a lot of, oh, we're, we're doing, you know, it's a, it's a new hope redux and it's, you know, the more of mm-hmm. the same. And, and, and there was kind of this expectation or, or thinking of, you know, how, how, how closely will this parallel empire strikes back? You know, I mean, there, there's always going to be that comparison, you know, how, how is this going to stand as kind of the middle movie? And, and honestly, it's a, it's a really daunting thing when you consider you're going up against empire, which is, you know, I think roundly thought of as one of, you know, the top, if not the top three of, of, you know, of, of all the movies, um, mm-hmm. just because of just the, the incredible story and, and, you know, twist that, that has really just, you know, become kind of timeless in a lot of ways. But it, it's, it's, it's interesting to me how, yeah, how, how, and we, I think we talked about this the last time you're on, just how fickle the fans are about this sort of stuff, you know, that it's, it's either too, it, it's too much of the same of what they're familiar with. And then when someone like Rian Johnson takes it in a direction that, I felt was really different, you know, like I, I, I love the idea that there, there is nothing, or at least at the point this movie came out, there was nothing to Ray, you know, that, that she wasn't coming from any sort of bloodline of any real significance, you know, and, mm. and, and the fact that, you know, they were alluding to the fact that the kids at that, you know, stable over, I forget where that place was, where, you know, the racing was and all that. Oh, Kento Bite. Kento Bite, that, that, you know, one of the kids there was a, was a force user. And this idea that there's something I, I, I came out of the movie kind of excited of where they were going to go for the third one, because I thought maybe they would explore that a little bit more. Like I thought he teed up a really interesting concept that they could run with and not have it just be about Skywalker all the time. So yeah. but but it, but it's something that I think really drove a wedge in, in the fan base, because I think they. They felt in a lot of ways let down by by the Luke character and and just mm. what they were looking for there and uh, and just I, I don't know that the that the direction he went in with some of you know the the story was was really what resonated with fans greatly. It's not the Luke Skywalker we know and love, you know, like rushed uh-huh. off to save his friends and Empire Strikes Back or 
was the first one to sacrifice himself at Return of the Jedi, being like, I'll just sacrifice myself to save my friends, you know? Right, right, mm -hmm. right. Now, actually, so one of the things I think is interesting is uh, one of the one of the things I I, I watch a lot of the, uh, Kevin Smith's podcast, uh, Fat Man Beyond, with Mark Bernardin, and he Kevin Smith always seems to come come back to this thing with a lot of these movies. Like he loves it when a movie makes him feel like he's a kid again. You know, like all the Marvel movies. It's like I remember when I was reading these comics when I was a kid, or I, going to the new Star Wars movies. Like I remember when I saw this when I was a little kid in the theater, and I went. You know, mm -hmm. he says these movies make me feel that way again. I think a lot of people want to feel that way and and we just never really enunciated it that way like we like things that take us back to those moments in our youth mm. i think the problem with luke's character in this is it reminds us too much of where we are now as adults we used to identify with luke because he was the youngest one in the bunch and he was like ah, i want to go and i'm the, and he was a hero and he and he kind of i mean he was really kind of the callow youth like uh you know i think harrison ford said it or whatever but we kind of wanted that again. We want to feel like that again, but he's showing us too much of where we might be now. Disillusioned, older, and just kind of not having any of it. And and I think that was part of the thing that made it divisive. Like, people wanted to feel like they're a kid again, and and here's Luke showing him, like, no, here's a mirror instead. This is who you are now. And they're like, I don't like that. I'm like, well, tough. That's, <laughs> that's called reality, Spacky. Yeah. Do you? Th I mean, would you say that's kind of? Does that make any sense to you as 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 the esteemed Star Wars expert that you are, sir? <laughs> um, I would not say esteemed or any of that BS. But <laughs> well, you're very esteemed to me. I mean, oh, but that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, me and my iced coffee. Yeah, uh, don't forget the Baileys. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I think with your 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 question about Luke, yeah, he's he he is our hero. Like people. For me, the departure of Luke from the main savior, you know what I mean? The main action hero, that was different. That shocked people in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like the, re mm -hmm. the reaction of him being uh, sort of sad, uh, more representative of, you know, modern day political situations or world global situations that we're dealing with right now in April 20th, 2020 hurt. For me, it's almost like ah, I don't want to. I don't want to see more real life. The, I, Star Wars is an escape. This is escapism. I want to get out of mm -hmm. here. I want to go to this fantasy faraway place where the worst thing I had to worry got to worry about are stormtroopers that can't hit the broadside of a barn. You know what I mean? Like only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. <laughs> that that's where yeah. that's where Star Wars. That's what Star Wars means to me. Like it takes me to a whole different place. Uh, as in as far as my imagination is concerned and i just want to go and delve into it and i'm the same way with like video games and stuff too like when i play video games i want to play a video game with a great like in-depth immersive story and that's what star wars is to me will we ryan johnson might be judged as a genius 20 30 years from now um you know just for for the direction that he kind of took star wars in i mean don't forget rogue one is a very like gritty serious real oh yeah movie so you, you can't you can't say it's because of that it's because people applied it to the characters that people hold near and dear to their heart yeah but i honestly i feel like now if, if we're if we're going to follow the same kind of storyline 
I, but well, you know what? Never mind that. But I mean, I, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about the way that they took Luke, and I'm I'm gonna just assume that of course JJ and and Kathy Kennedy signed off on all of this because they, it's not like I said before, like Johnson just kind of went off and did his thing. They showed up the premiere and like, holy crap, what would he do? Yeah. But taking Luke in this direction, like making his backstory so intertwined with Kylo Ren, and the way that you know that whole thing went down, it's like, dude, how can you not? How would you not be disillusioned? How I mean, we all forget like. Ben Kenobi was was sitting on Tatooine, and yeah, he's keeping an eye on Skywalker. But that dude is not like anxious to go off and fight the Empire again. Yeah, he's like, unwell. That's a, yeah, that's a dude who's like kind of tucked tail, and he's run, and he's kind of out in the desert watching this kid, and kind of waiting to die. That's not a happy-go-lucky sort of guy. And Luke is kind of the same way. Like he he hit that pinnacle of Jedi Master. Like, hey, we defeated the Empire, and then I'm gonna raise up a new uh, you know breed of Jedi, and oh. I messed it up with my nephew, and I messed it up in, like, the worst possible way. Mm. How else are you going to have that? I mean, anything at less than where he was, I think, would have been unrealistic. That's just me, coming from a story perspective and trying to make it make sense of it in that universe. And that's, what, that's, that's why I love that, why I really love this movie, is because it went to that place of, no, this dude is hurt. Like, it, it, it's going to take something really big to pull him out of this. And and I think, too, it's it's also the journey he goes on throughout the throughout the movie, too. Um, mm. Like, I, I I think later on um, we're going to talk about, I think, uh, yeah, like what our favorite moments were and stuff. So I might jump to that real quick. But with without him being in that place throughout most of the movie, that march he makes out the door to go face the Empire with nothing more than a laser sword. Oh, yeah, just just amplified, you know, that that moment by the fact that he had to journey from that place that he started out at to where he ended up, you know, and they might as well have just quoted like, well, yeah, basically. Well, it's such like a showdown thing. It was awesome. Well, I mean, when 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 I was watching it Saturday night, I mean, just the movie, uh, just the movie, the the music. Watch that. You know, the 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 music. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the way that entire thing plays out. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just you're getting amped up for something now, how the fight plays out and, and what's going on there, you know, kind of get, gives you a sense of of where Luke's at and, and, and what he was, you know, just playing the, the mental game with his nephew, basically. But 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 just building up to that moment was just, you know, I think if you started out with him still being that kind of even though he's older, being that kind of. You're kind of like what Han Solo was, you know. I mean, Han Solo in Force Awakens was just Han a little bit older, you know. And right, right. <laughs> but he, he, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's still the wisecracking, you know, getting himself into trouble, getting out of trouble, you know, sort of uh, smuggler guy, you know. And and with Luke, um, I, I just think it just wouldn't have been maybe as as interesting a story. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm curious where they could have taken it if if they had kept him kind of in that hero mold, um, guiding Ray in just a different way, but. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. I guess uh, for for me, it was interesting just to see that jump from Luke when we saw at the end of Return of the Jedi so hopeful and forward thinking to the future and be like, mm. we're going to rebuild and do everything. Fast forward 20 years or so, however long it is, 40 years, whatever. Not 40 years, but regardless. Fast forward. Well, fast forward. To this, of... I think it's like for uh, 20 years or something like that. But anyways, um, fast forward to this point where 
everything is basically it has all been built golden era collapsed and crumbled you know what i mean like mm-hmm. what happened in, in between there and this is the moment for now that the skywalker saga is concluded this is the time for comics graphic novels uh young adult readers like mm-hmm. the real big books like let's let's open up that literary story and go deep into it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. help me yeah. explain this and fill in a lot of these gaps i mean don't forget like empire strikes back had a real poor reception back in 1980 when that came out um mm-hmm. there were people who were uh trivializing the fact that you know, Billy D. Williams was the token black person on set mm-hmm. on yeah. film. Uh, and that there was only rather one one other woman besides Carrie Fisher in the in the movie, which is that rebel officer um, in firing control and uh, echo base on Hoth. So there was a lot of there was a lot of that. And people couldn't believe that. It's like, what? Vader can't be Luke's dad. There's no freaking way. There was so much kickback about that. But then over time, you know, you see how history and people's perception changes with other material like the return of the jedi that came out all the books Mm -hmm. the toys you know all the Mm -hmm. extra stuff that helps to fill in the gap and satisfy sort of people's persona of them yeah yeah i think another thing that's interesting here is this movie to me because we're talking uh, a little bit about kylo ren and and kind of who he is in this movie I think it, this, it illustrates how difficult it is to have a bad guy as good as Darth Vader. And I think this movie almost acknowledges, like, you can't. You can't. I mean, you just can't. I mean, they tried, they tried in, in the prequel trilogy with Darth Maul, and, of course, they you know, gave him short shrift. And, of course, you, know, you had Palpatine. It was, all, it was all leading to Vader. So you can even say that, like, that prequel trilogy is really still, it's just the backstory for Vader. And then the best part of any Star Wars movie, like the, the most badass part of any Star Wars movie in the past 20 years is still the last like two minutes of Rogue One when you have Darth Vader going just absolutely ballistic on all those rebel officers and like knifing a dude through a door and all. I mean, mm-hmm. it was insane. Yeah. And you just can't. The mythology of that character is so high. It's like you have to go a different direction with Kylo Ren. And that's one of the reasons... I love the fact that he is conflicted in this movie mm. and that they mm. did make him a conflicted bad guy and they did ro- waver him back and forth. It's like, we can't make him as big of a badass. Mm-hmm. We can't. Like, I mean, look, he killed his dad <laughs> and yeah. you guys still crapped on him. Like, dude, Vader didn't kill his dad. Yeah. In this movie, he almost kills his mom. Like, he's like a heartbeat away and he doesn't. Yeah. And people still were like, eh, he sucks. Like, <laughs> Vader didn't kill his mom or his dad. I mean, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it, it's ridiculous, but I, I love how they did make him conflicted, and I think that's another thing, another reason why it's it is a bit divisive because people are like, no, I just want a bad guy. I mean, do you really? Because he's never going to live up to Vader, never. And I love how that's even built into the Kylo Ren character. He's always trying to live up to Vader. They kind of acknowledge that right out front, even in uh, Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Well, and and two, you know, the other thing that happens throughout the span of this movie is this idea. That, that his character keeps putting forth of, of killing the past, killing the past, mm. killing the past. And it didn't really hit me. You know, it's been a while since I've watched Last Jedi. And when I watched it over the weekend, it really struck me when when Luke comes out and confronts him uh, and, and they have their back and forth. And he finally, you know, reveals, you know, the 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 trick he's pulling. 
It's a trap. And, and how he says that, you know, he's always going to be with him just like his father. You know, like, mm. like, like basically saying you can keep saying this, but your past is never going to leave you. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like there, yeah. there's an element of, of your father and your mother and, and, and me as, their, as, the, as his family that is always mm. going to be with him as much as he may want to try to kill it. And mm-hmm. and I thought that was really kind of an interesting. It just stood out to me for whatever reason this time around when he said that because it's like ooh that's because that's really what's driving the conflict for him. You know I think I you know I think he's he his character is truly struggling with what he did you know back in Force Awakens and and you know again like you said he's inch, you know he's so close to, to to being the one that pulls the trigger that takes his mother out and he holds back right you know right and so. Mm. We could we could go back and forth on a, on a, on divisive issues for this, but I'm actually kind of curious because there's plenty of material. All we have to do is a quick Google search, and I'm sure we'll have hours of material to work on. Want to fight, huh? Fight me. Uh, let's. But I'm kind of interested to hear your opinion on this, gentlemen. Uh, where would you place this movie overall? And for this, we're going to use all nine chapters of the of the the Star Wars saga plus Rogue One and Solo so there everything is in play here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and we'll let we'll let Jimmy Dice play first on this one where would you put this one sir me oh man I have it uh, we actually we did this on um, our podcast Scruffy looking podcasters and uh, we did this like two weeks three weeks ago three weeks ago rated every single one of them we even threw in the star wars the clone wars animated movie in there which ranked Mm -hmm. at the bottom of my list um of all the other ones see and again i'm i'm treating this list because we talked about this list of your favorite star wars movie and it's the same for everybody it's like uh you know it's like uh it's a living document you know what i mean it's something that can get added to and modified over time, depending on what you're feeling. Like growing up, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie of all time. Then it was Empire Strikes Back, and it might be something else now, you know? Mm-hmm. However, as far as, and this is getting into another arcing discussion of how I treated this movie, but I ranked The Last Jedi number nine. It's kind of lower on my list, and for other extenuating reasons than for what this movie is because it's a great movie i think ryan johnson took it in a great direction but as far as just kind of how it fits in with the overarching arc and of all mm-hmm. the other movies i gotta put a little bit lower on the list i had a few other ones that i liked a little bit better right on uh tim what do you what do you where do you got this one because i was I, I i i have a feeling i'm going to be a little shocked and i'm saying that because i read the outline <laughs> I don't. I just realized as I'm saying that I'm like I'm totally playing. Who, I, I was wondering who was what you were gonna say because like you know where this is going. <laughs> who was who was that? Who was that guy who was at the at the NFL draft one year and he was like he was pl- like because of course all the ESPN guys in, in their ear they're told what the pick is before it's announced. Right, right. And he and he was playing it off like oh I really think they're gonna go with this guy, and he was try- he was like actually showing up everyone else like he had like he was trying to pick them all right. <laughs> I, I realized midway as I was saying that I'm like I'm being that douche right uh, now. That's all right. That douche. That's all right. So I just completely outed myself and I'm shamed wah, now. But anyways, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> thank you. We get so where you got this one, sir? Actually, actually, we got to get a couple of of James's uh, trombone clips from from the scruffy looking podcasters to to kind of throw <laughs> in a couple of those riffs. 
I, I started doing, I started playing on it, so, and they recorded it, so here we go. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I had this one, uh, believe it or not, and, and I'll, I'll claim what, what, James, I think you articulated well. It's a, it's a living document. It, it changes over time. But after watching it over the weekend, I actually put it uh, as, as number two. I kind of went the other way, and uh, I, I, I kind of look at it as, as Empire being kind of number one for me, and then Last Jedi. Um, so kind of the, the, the middle you know, two movies of, of, the, of, the, of the second and third trilogy, um, followed by kind of uh, the, the Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith, just kind of those three. The, those those third movies out of those two trilogies um and then i i need to work through the rest of the list but but i but i put it at number two because i just i kind of feel like both empire and it are just kind of this i mean given the way rise of skywalker went it's probably not gonna come off the right way but i kind of felt like they they were the the movies that bridged and and really kind of brought a depth to the story that that kind of drove where things went you know for for mm-hmm. for the next next movie and I really, you know, not that I didn't like Rise of Skywalker, but I really, you know, having watched this on Saturday, I, I was really just like, wow, there's just a lot of good stuff here that I really wish had been picked up and kind of run with a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Um, and you bring up Rose. Um, man, it really stood out to me how underutilized she was in the third movie. You know, like she's oh, just nowhere to yeah. be found. And, you know, it's it's just so disappointing that they didn't do more with her and Finn rather than Finn running around screaming Ray every five minutes. You know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's it's just a, there, there's a lot of different things. Not that you you couldn't have ended up kind of going in a in a in a similar direction with the third movie, but but just the 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 way he kind of explored things. I mean, I really feel like what he did with Ray, and this is another divisive thing, but I really feel like the revelation that she really didn't come from anything was almost kind of like his antithesis to what happened in empire where it becomes all about who, you know, Luke's father is at this point, it's, it's the other way where it's like, you know what, you're just another person who just has a, has this gift. And, Mm. and it would have been kind of cool to see where they would have taken that and how they could have explored that a little more, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so that for me is why it's, I kind of feel like empire and last Jedi are kind of like creative and, and really, probably the most creative out of uh out of the set and i kind of put him there for that reason right on sure i i'm i'm actually thinking that i i might have had this ranked higher when we because i we did kind of talk about this vaguely in the last the last time we when we were talking about rise of skywalker i might have had this one higher then the more i think about it but again i just this is how i kind of threw it together as i was thinking about it Mm -hmm. today i have it ranked fifth uh, with the with the original trilogy in order as my top three, then Rogue One as number four, and Last Jedi as number five, um, and I think I actually I think I actually bumped Return of the Jedi out of the top five. What? Just I think I I think I did in my preview. I'll have to go back and actually listen to that podcast. I think I did, but I was just really trying to be contrarian. I was trying to be a <laughs> troll. It's outrageous. I really was. I was. Are you kidding me? I was trying to play sports talk radio or something. I don't know what the hell I was doing. It was I was oh, being man. a dip. But I I do I I really I I feel this movie is one of the one of the better of the series and yeah. and I really and I'm and I'm like I said I I'm I'm a fan of all of these movies really except for the Phantom Menace which I would out of what is there there's eleven movies twelve if you count the Clone Wars movies I would rank Phantom Menace number fifteen. 
I, I think I, I said this before we even started. I will take the next three Star Wars movies dude, and place dude, them dude. ahead of that one. It is sight unseen. Way, sight unseen. It's still way better than Attack of the Clones, bro. I'll take Attack of the Clones over Phantom Menace. Nope. I will. I, you know what? I will even go further than this, okay? <laughs> uh, because this is my... God. Again, I'm willing to go all the way out in this oh, limb. Boy. I don't care. Oh, boy. <laughs> I do not think that there are any sins in, in Last Jedi that are worse than any of the other Star Wars movies. Because I've seen a bunch of things pointed out like, oh, they did this and they did this. I don't think they're any worse than any of those movies. I don't think any Star Wars movie has more of has worse sins than The Phantom Menace as far as being slow, just like building up a bad guy and then just dismissing him like nothing. And like all of of all the things that you can possibly think of to criticize any of the other Star Wars movies, I think they're all worse in that movie. Like they're all, but at least they're all isolated in one nice, neat package that I can ignore in one shot. So I'm happy about that. <laughs> but that's just that's my opinion, and that's why I will never be a guest on Jimmy's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like nap, nap, nap. He's a wanker. Anyways, um, <laughs> that was that was my really poor Brit accent, and you can brilliant, brilliant. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna call me many varied things, which will all sound terribly wonderful. Well, uh, and I'm well, unprepared for that. Well, you say, well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Little bits and bobs there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so now I guess this takes us into the next part here, which is uh, what are your favorite moments from The Last Jedi? And I'm sure we're going to have some crossover here, but, uh, but what are your favorite moments from this movie? And, and Jimmy, why don't, you, uh, why don't you go first here, sir? You're our guest. Man, I'm all on, like, being put on the spot here. I got a couple. Um, I'll say one that... And it may not be my favorite one, but it's the one that speak that stands out to me first is when we have the return of the Millennium Falcon to the scene at the Battle of Crate when he sort of loops they swoop in, you know? The action yeah. the action hero moment, you know? Like mm-hmm. you get the Millennium Falcon theme going on from a new hope when they were uh fighting the TIE Fires when they were escaping the Death Star. Like you you had that action going on and i loved it when they're sort of flying through sort of the canyons on the on crate and they like bust it out and stuff and that was amazing i love that um yeah and of course that gives you finn's great line they hate that shit (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah i know that was was stupid that was stupid It was stupid, but it was stupid in a kind of like like geeky, awesome way. Like I admit, like that is a dumb line, but at the same time, I got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> well, I'm glad somebody did. Oh, um, <laughs> it was it was. At least you waited like a half hour he's, to just completely snipe me on that. See, I appreciate see, he's that. He's getting back at you for the Phantom Menace, you know, garbage that's going on over there. So. <laughs> that's, that's all right. I'll, I'll take that. That's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, no, I, I, um, I, I don't know. I just I go for the really cool, just I don't know, iconic moments. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. What's what's another one? I mean, obviously the Ray Finn. Uh, showdown with the Praetorian guards in Snoke's chamber. That was a really cool moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, um, I'll say, like a very new stylish of of filming. You know what I mean for Star Wars. That was a very new, mm-hmm. modern, 
modernly put together scene for a Star Wars movie. And I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, this is the moment where at the very end, Ray and them sort of meet together. She's raising all the rocks out. They're coming out. Mm. There's the embrace. There's the moment where Luke dies and it's like the fast forward to Ray and Leia when they both feel it, you know, like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's really powerful. Just very cool. Uh, and I think one of my, and again, now that I'm remembering it now, one of my favorite scenes, uh, the Leia Luke interaction. Um, oh, and I mean, for crying out loud, if they didn't have that, like, what is going on? They already killed off Han, so we're not going to have a Han-Luke interaction. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Um, yeah. But that moment where, where they're on uh, uh, the, uh, what I don't even know what the planet's called, but when the, when the door blows in in the Jedi Temple and, and Luke's in there and, and Chewie and Rey come in, and he has that moment of, where's Han? And all of a sudden, like that, just that weight of that what happened in the previous movie just kind of hits you again. You're like, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that was supposed to be a longer scene. There was supposed to be another few shots of that sort of explaining that and like seeing Luke's emotional reaction to that happening. And I felt pretty mm. cheated out of that. I was pretty robbed by that. It's in the uh, graphic. Um, the graphic novel of this as well as more it's more described in the novelization itself the mm-hmm. scene where luke is just like i i didn't feel it because he's disconnected himself from the force you know if he hadn't been if he hadn't cut him off from everything he would have felt what was going on and may have been convinced to go back out there and help and like prevent han from dying kind of thing and it's a lot of and it just adds to his inner emotional trauma which is again very mm. deep very cool yeah. yeah yeah very different although from a story point of view i can see why they might not do that because giving that away that he's cut himself off that does kind of i don't know i, I felt it that could work there but it, it also is nice to have that play out a little bit later and i think that you can st- i think you still get a little bit of that emotional weight although i do agree I, that it it is a little bit of cheating the fans to not give that moment a little bit more weight they they could have they could have done that and i don't think it would have been too schmaltzy you know what i mean yeah Yeah. that's hurt that's hurt so tim what do you got what do you got on your list here for favorite moments from last jedi you know there's some james mentioned um you know i mean i I definitely luke and leia is, is is a big one i i would also say um you know similar to that to the scene we just talked about where you know you have the weight of of han's death i I would say you know luke sneaking aboard the falcon and walking Mm. into the cockpit and kind of turning it on and i just remember in the when i saw that for the first time in the theater just you know how cool of a of a moment that was to see that character in that cockpit after so many years and and just remembering you know seeing a new hope and and uh you know, an empire when, when he was in there and stuff was, was just really cool. You know, I thought, I thought mm. that was really, really neat. And that was kind of the, the, the reuniting of him with, with R2D2 and on the ship. So, so that was cool. Um, I really enjoyed Benicio del Toro being Benicio del Toro. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. he, he, he just so brought that vibe from the usual suspects in, into that character, you know, where he just yes. has that, that kind of, you know, they treat me like a criminal. Uh, I end up a criminal. You are a criminal. You know, just just that verbal cue that he kind of has, and and what you gotta go and do that? Trying to make your point. And just just the way he kind of played the character, and I also liked how he kind of was the storytelling device in a way of, you know, kind of pointing out to Finn and Rose how, 
you know, the, the elite and, and what they saw, you know, that they're kind of playing both sides of this thing, you know, that, that it's mm-hmm. not so cut and dry and black and white that these are imperial supporters, but that they're, you know, supporters of, of war as a whole, you know, and, and so it was kind of interesting, you know, his, he had a, you know, he had a small role, but I mean, it, it was, it was, it was not a role that was wasted, you know, it was, it was very, uh, very much, you know, kind of impactful for, for the small time he was on the screen. And then I, I already kind of mentioned it, but but the big one for me is is just the the Luke, you know, walking out to face the Empire with 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 nothing more than a laser sword, as he as he kind of described it in the you know in the early parts of the movie. That you know t- taking taking that 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 step out there and and just putting forth you know kind kind of building up the legend of Skywalker and and just the the, the hope for the rebellion with with him facing down the Walkers. It was such an such a neat scene, such a well you know shot scene where. He's just standing there, just him facing, you know, this this overwhelming force in front of him. And, mm-hmm. and then just the back and mm-hmm. forth between Kylo and him was just fantastic. So so uh, yeah. so, yeah, so so I think I think those were kind of the the, the high points for me, in addition to, to, to what James had already kind of uh, articulated. I think for me, it, definitely the lightsaber battles. I would go so far as to say that two out of the top four lightsaber battles in any Star Wars movies mm-hmm. are in this movie. And that's, I mean, that's an accomplishment. I, I put the, the Ray Kylo, you know, in, in, not that they're fighting each other, but fighting with each other mm-hmm. was, it was so epic, so epic. And I, oh man, that I agree with, with Jimmy. That was mm. so just well done in such a different way of seeing uh, a lightsaber battle done in Star Wars. And I would put Luke Kylo in there along this, because of the weight of it, mm-hmm. because it's the same sort of weight, even though like, you go back to, to Obi-Wan and, and Vader in a new hope where it's not the most fantastic you know sword play ever because you have a dude who's really old and then you have another guy and they're just basically trying not to break these sticks <laughs> and and and, tr- and and to make the special effects guy mad at them because they broke another one <laughs> but the fact that just the weight of it of what it meant and the stakes that were at play there was and the reveal and and just the interplay and all of it was so it just it was so meaningful to the overall story i think it was fantastic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i will call it the holdo maneuver i thought that was again something you've never seen in a star wars movie before and the way it was done i think was freaking amazing laura dern is a badass as as that character <laughs> i love that character yes i mean just just the fact that like it's she's not wearing a uniform like like the the woman is in like this kind of like dress flowy dress sort of thing and at the same time she's like i will demote you down to the point where you're like scrubbing the outside of this <laughs> ship by the by the time this conversation is done and i am going to look fantastic doing it and then all of a sudden at the end you just see her like oh ah that no i ain't having this and the way that they played that just from a special effects and sound perspective was flipping amazing yeah just amazing every moment with luke and ray i loved i i just love that whole interplay and all that you know i mean even even the stuff that might have been a little cringe worthy that i got chuckle out of you know you know i've seen your routine you are not busy you know stuff even stuff like that i thought was just fantastic you know and uh, the opening battle scene with the dreadnought i mean even again it, there's some stupid stuff in there like 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 uh like Poe's interaction with Hux. I mean, it is that's kind of lame, hugs. but at the same time, General Hugs. Yeah, Hugs. That was fan. I did, I I forgot that until I was watching again this weekend. I'm like, I forgot he called him Hugs, and he kept on doing it. Uh-huh. And Hux is yeah. trying to correct him, yep. and he just keeps doing it. I was like, oh, 
that whole thing was was fantastic. And then, uh, uh, of course, Luke and Leia at the base. But, of course, Yoda mm-hmm. showing up kind of out of nowhere and, like, giggling his ass off at Luke, which I was like, that's the way it has to be. <laughs> yes, it has to be that way. Like, Yoda has to show up Luke because that's what Yoda does. He makes Luke look like a complete tool. Yep. I love that. Yep. Love that. The whole thing. And I remember seeing that in the theater and, and Yoda popping up. And I just, like, my heart leapt. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's 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 the puppet, and it was it was like the puppet version. Yeah, they got the original nope. one from uh, ESB. <sighs> I, I was I was I, I was so happy with that that it wasn't like CG Yoda from like the prequel trilogies, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, the whole thing was just fantastic. Uh, but yeah, those were those were my favorite moments as I gush lovingly about this movie. So so a question. So now that we've gone through our. our each of ours. So, so James, uh, <clears throat> when you were last on here, we, we talked a little bit about Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were you at all disappointed that this was how they used the dreadnought concept or, uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I wasn't. I in, it was introduce cool. it and then blow it up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Um, <laughs> as far as, uh, as far as, a, a new class of, you know, star destroyer that they're using, which was very similar to a U-boat mm-hmm. per- periscope and all, I, I thought it was very cool. Also, did you notice um, was it uh, Katie Dickey or Kate Dickey, the uh, one of the bridge officers on there? She's she was Lysa Aaron. Yes, House, formerly Game. of House Tully for Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yep, yep. She was yep, also Prometheus cool. too, like a she's a Scottish scientist or something like that. But I was like, okay. oh, cool. That's a neat little uh, cameo appearance for her, and then now she's gone. Yeah, yeah. It was like there and gone. <laughs> she did. The, the 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 funny part with that it was like rogue rogue one and fast forward like oh hey oh never mind <laughs> i know right well and and, and I, I also like that found character it, damn it i also found it funny when 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 the ship goes down i i really enjoyed the the captain on that ship and just that kind of oh, look on his yeah. face like you know just said damn it but he's like you know those you know rebel scum or what i mean that his face mm-hmm, just had mm-hmm. that kind of you know kind of had that expression it was really funny mm-hmm. i'm just like yeah that was uh the the indignant nature there. So. Yeah, it looks like he had a hemorrhoid since birth. <laughs> that was the look that he kind of had to me. <laughs> oh my he gosh! Was, well, he was. Uh, I think. I think his name was uh, Captain Kennedy or something like that. Um, okay. He was uh, in the um, visual dictionary of Star of um, the Last Jedi. He they have a little section about him, and he was a former Imperial officer in the days of the empire. So he's mm. one of the like whole super loyal holdovers from the empire. Wow. And it was noted that like, uh, that on the bridge of this new ship, the Fulminatrix, the siege dreadnought that they have there. Um, he was disgusted with what it, to him with all a bunch of children in front of him, essentially. <laughs> well, he, he carried himself in, in that exact way. So, Oh yeah, just just complete resentment for everyone younger and less exp- and not really experienced. Like you guys have no idea what you are doing, bloody yep. fools. Yep. yep. And that is Mark Lewis Jones, who is also in Chernobyl as a ah, general. Yeah, pickle. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, again, another great series. Mm. Oh, Chernobyl. It, it it is not a pick me up. <laughs> Don't really? make sure. Make sure. <laughs> Make sure you're in a good headspace when you start watching that because uh, you're not going to cheer up. Uh, watch. Like, don't watch that now. Don't watch that. Yeah, now. I was going to say that's go, probably go. not a lockdown recommendation. I don't think. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, same with uh, pandemic. Anyways. Oh, good um, lord. Oh. 
Actually, we did watch it. It's actually very good in a very creepy way. <laughs> but hey, speaking, hashtag too soon. Speaking of um, Star Wars and Chernobyl, Stellan Skarsgård, mm-hmm. um, he was like General Captain Tupolev and Hunt for Red October, Professor yep, Lambeau yep, yep. Google Hunting, and um, he's going to be in the new Cassian Andor live action series that was recently oh, cool. announced. Yeah. Nice. Hmm. I know. So that actor. Who's he gonna be? I, I really hope he's an Imperial, a real mm-hmm. Imperial baddie. That would be so cool. But oh, he has to. That be. Would. He has to. Be. Leave it to the Swedish. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the next best thing to getting a Brit to play a bad guy. Apparently, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> anyway, so there's there's that random other Star Wars tie-in, the two characters that starred in Chernobyl. Nice, nice. <laughs> nice. So it, now, if before we go. Actually, and I didn't put this on the outline because uh, I just thought of it now. Is there anything out of this that you're like, man, this was the problem with the movie for me? Uh, I, I don't think Tim has one of those because he rated this even higher than I did. Maybe <laughs> I do. Maybe I do. Uh, our, I, 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 oh. I have a couple things to talk through, but go ahead. Oh, some nits to pick. Go right ahead, sir. Well, I, I, and I kind of want to throw it out to you guys, too. I mean, I and I, I think we talked about this when we discussed Rise of Skywalker, but there's a bit of disappointment for me around the Hux and Phasma characters. When, when I watched it over the weekend, you know, I kind of rationalized a little bit that Phasma apparently must just be kind of like the, 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 the Boba Fett, if you will, of this trilogy where she kind of like appears (laughs) and then just like gets killed off. You know, it's just kind of like, Oh, they look awesome and really cool. And they do nothing. Right. But, but I mean, even then, you know, it's just like all of her interactions with Finn were just very, you know, kind of let downish. You know, it wasn't very interesting, and it ended up not really yeah. being like a crescendo of any kind. It was just more of a oh, okay, you know, sort of thing, and move on. And Hux being turned into just complete comic relief. I mean, it was funny, but at the same time, I'm like, this guy looked like a psychopath in Seven. And now he's like this. He's like the butt of the joke in Eight. It was just was so weird. He's, he's a tool. I mean, as his first yeah. officer said that, just I believe he's tooling with you, sir. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not, that I was fantastic, I though. I can't treat you seriously at all for any. And since no. since Force no. Awakens, he he um he rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just Peter Weavesley. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. can't. Uh, was he Peter? I can't remember if it was Peter. Whatever older brother was in Harry Potter. Potter, yeah. hey Potter. <laughs> but I I just couldn't. I can't take Snoke serious as a character. And I, I get what you're saying about Phasma too. Like I feel shortchanged. Yeah. Um, there was a lot written about her in a comic series um, mm-hmm. that was very cool uh, and just a real brief synopsis of it spoiler alert um, there's a little comic series where after the destruction of the Starkiller base there was one person, one pilot who saw that she had given up the codes that lowered the shields for the rebels to go and bombard the surface and she mm-hmm. hunts down this Imperial or First Order pilot and kills them to protect mm-hmm. her secret you know what I mean self-preservation uh, very mm. very backstabby. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. the book itself, Phasma, is the story of like where Phasma came from. Like she is from this sort of uh, backwards, backwater planet, very primitive. You know, mm-hmm. is anybody in the Star Wars universe from like the the, the like aristocracy or like the cool places in the galaxy? Because everyone's from like nowhere. Padme. Yeah, Padme. Grand Admiral Thrawn. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the movies. Mon Mothma, Princess Leia. All right, fine, you got me. Bail Organa. 
Emperor Palpatine's from Naboo. Damn! Fine. <laughs> All right, never mind. Admiral Ackbar's from Mon Mothma. I mean, from uh, Mon Calamari. I'm, I was going to say, how did, how did that <laughs> happen? Yeah, yeah. Was there, was there a time warp involved? Sure, oh, sure. I mean, he's a fish. <laughs> oh, shit. What does that have to do with time travel? I don't know. Like he swims up. Think well, he swims upstream in the time stream. That's how it works. <laughs> so, Anyways, so so and one other one to throw out to you is how how did you guys feel about the when when? Well, actually, one one oh, quick thing out of because 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 uh, because James said he didn't he he couldn't take Snoke seriously and and you touched on Phasma and and I. I Honestly, Snoke is a is a less big deal for me. I would have rather have seen a bit more of Phasma. Hawks, I think, was fine because honestly, how many of these Imperial officers actually seem competent in the Star Wars world? Really, I mean, they all seem like they have their head completely up their butt all throughout these movies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see any of them as really great tacticians because anytime they get attacked, they send out like four tie fighters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm i'm sure there's more than four on that freaking star destroyer or on the death star i'm sure of it positive but they send out like four or five tie fighters like meh that's enough <laughs> seriously yeah so i mean i i, I can take hawks i can take that because i'm kind of conditioned to that and snoke eh, like i think that they kind of already had written what was gonna i think they already knew where this was heading obviously because they're not just gonna let him kill snoke off without having something in mind for the next movie. So I kind of always feel like he was going to be a, a sacrificial lamb. At least they gave him a little bit more of an arc than they did with Darth Maul. I mean, at least they gave him that sort of, mm-hmm. probably because they were paying a lot more to Andy Serkis than, you know, they paid to, what was it, Ray Park? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so, <laughs> uh-huh. they, you know, there's a few more dollars involved. Uh, <laughs> but they, but Phasma, I really felt like they could have weaved a more of a story in there. So that yeah. one bothers me a, a a bit more than the other two. Right. So, anyways, but go on to your go on to your point. I just wanted. Well, to no, that. and and the the other one that bothered me and and still bothered me upon rewatch was was what they did with Leia in the beginning after the ship exploded, and where it was kind of like the Mary Poppins moment. You look like Mary Poppins. Is he cool? You know where she kind of floats her way back to the ship, and uh, I. But I mean, I I, I I get what they were trying to do. It was it was a show of 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 her force abilities. You know what I mean? And 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 to show. It, it just the way it was done, though, I I don't know, just kind of eh, just kind of sat a little weird with me. But, you know, those are my nits. Yeah. Those are my nits. Nice. Nice. I love the picnic. What you what you think about the uh, the space flying Mary Poppins? I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. That was that was. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. How do you how do you really feel about it? <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you're. I have a feeling you're kind of holding back on us a little here, and <laughs> I mean, it just. I mean, it just. Yeah, it just wasn't good, you know. Yeah, in 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 in, in other movies, things happen, and and the reactions kind of make sense given the context. That one was just so kind of. They, they. I think they were trying to go for the whole thing mm-hmm. of you know Ren not killing his mom, and then it happening. And then, her, and this was just kind of a cheap way to kind of keep her in the game, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so I, I just, it just felt really kind of odd to me. I think the tough thing for me with that is in ret- I'm always looking at it in retrospect mm-hmm. because, of course, Rise of Skywalker was supposed to be, you know, they kind of gave one movie to each of the original three characters, <laughs> and unfortunately, Carrie Fisher pass- passing away before Rise of Skywalker, that was going to be her movie. So right. now we get to. 
we get to hear about oh there was all these plans and and, and this and that and the other and, and they were unfulfilled yeah and the problem is in that movie you had the opportune way of of hers character's death being incredibly meaningful and they chose instead to uh, demonstrate her force powers and in retrospect you look at that you're like oh that would have been it. Mm-hmm. That would have been it. Either that, or or the you know instead of Admiral Holdo, it's Leia, who who pilots the ship through the through Snoke's ship mm-hmm. to give the rebellion that 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 fighting chance. I wish you pulled a Holdo maneuver. Spoiler <laughs> alert for the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> you, I mean, as much as the Empire hates the Millennium Falcon, you hate that character. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you are who was what was that character's Object name or who was that actor? You hate that character. I don't like hate the him. Fire of a thousand suns. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't I hate him. Do. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's Mary from Buckland. <laughs> <laughs> Belongs in the Shire. Yes. The okay. Star Wars universe. Anyway. Fair enough. Anyways. So I think we've I think we've kind of oh. any last thoughts on this movie uh, from either of you gents because I've I've got nothing I I love the movie uh, but I also I will admit there are some there are some issues with it but like I said I don't think they're any worse than any other Star Wars movie w- w- any last words from you gentlemen last thoughts if you will uh, I, I I was pleasantly surprised you know what watching it again I I mean not saying that I was going into thinking it would be awful but watching it again and just you know, kind of appreciating some things that that I you know didn't pick up the last couple of times I had seen it, and um, and it, it had been a fair amount of time since I had last watched it, so it was it was just refreshing to kind of go back through it again, and and I just really enjoyed you know like like we've talked about, I I, I really enjoyed the attempt at at going somewhere different, you know, trying different mm-hmm. things, taking the story in different direction, and so I so it was it was it was fun to watch again, and. Um, you know, kind of, kind of made me wish that, uh, in, in some ways, what became Rise of Skywalker may may have been a little bit different. But it's all right. It's all right. It's all it's all good. It's Star Wars, and uh, even at you know, I'm not going to say at its worst, but just at its not not the best. It's still very good. So. And another thing. So, uh, Jimmy, you got anything for us for another thing? Uh, perhaps a recommendation or something that you'd like to share with our, our listeners? Oh, oh, recommendation? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh... Anything but the Clone Wars animated movie, apparently. Yeah, no, no, no. Highly recommend watching the latest season of Clone Wars, though. Um, mm. I see what you're going to talk about next, so I'm not going to steal your thunder on that one because I definitely would talk about it, too. But... Uh, I really am enjoying the last arc, uh, story arc of uh, Clone Wars. Uh, it's very cool. It's Ahsoka. You're on Mandalore. Maul is there. There's a real big wrap-up. Takes during the time frame of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Very cool stuff. Nice. 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 And while, while we have you here, have you watched any of Star Wars Rebels? Oh, yeah, all of it. Cool. All right. And what what was your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, like the Clone Wars, it's a slow, real slow start. I mean, remember, this is a cartoon for kids. Um, yeah. And what Lucasfilm Disney realized is that adults are watching it more than kids are, or rather adults are looking for more of the content out of it than kids are. So as 
Clone Wars got to like the end of their season twos, making a season three. Same with Rebels. That's when it really started to pick up. The story got really good. You got some really complex and in-depth characters. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about how they introduced Thrawn um, in in Rebels because obviously I, yeah, I'm biased. He's one of my favorite characters. But you have a lot of great characters in Rebels. That Agent Callus turncoat, mm-hmm. very cool. Um, yeah. the story of Ezra and Kanan and how he's trying to be a mentor and a jet and a master for him to teach him the ways of the Jedi and using the force. You got and, and the whole Mandalorian side to Rebels too, like I uh, was Sabine. I love Sabine. Sabine's one of my favorite characters. So a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff there. Yeah, can't recommend it enough. Yeah, because I I've been watching that with the kid and she's she is like the and, child. And I can wait. I could wake her up at like 2 a.m. and be like, hey, you want to watch the Star Wars Rebels? You're like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> like that's a, It's an automatic yes. And I'm like, oh, there's a, we're on the fourth season now. We're like, we're probably two thirds of the way through. I'm like, what are we going to do after this? I'm going to start on Clone Wars because we got to feed this fire, apparently. <laughs> Dude, Clone, Clone Wars is great, man. Highly recommend it. I mean, Clone Wars is good because it sets up. What happens with Ahsoka? I don't know where you are in Rebels mm-hmm. right now, but uh, we're like two thirds. We're a little over halfway through season four. Nice, nice. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, just just far enough that now we got Bo-Katan in there, and so now you know Battlestar Galactica and and Star oh, Wars dude, has intersected dude, for dude. me. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's all good now. It's it's lovely. I mean, uh, what about the theory of you know the rumor of potentially? I mean, well, you already know who's going to be coming in for. Um, live action <laughs> so Rosario like Dawson. Yeah. Oh, and I love how apparently Kevin Smith said that like he had talked to Rosario Dawson years ago, and she was like, "Oh, if they ever do this, I want to do this." And, and like she's big into Star Wars, apparently. Yeah, nice. yeah. Which I nice. I never knew, but I, I I've thought I've thought Rosario Dawson was awesome forever. Well, see, so I, I'm like, yes, totally. I, I'm I'm in for that. I see. I was really confused at first because I thought they were like Roxanne Dawson, like. Balana Torres from Star Trek Voyager. All right, I can see that. Roxanne, da- Roxanne Dawson in her prime, like late '90s, early 2000s. Hell yeah! Now I don't know. I mean, it's be pretty old Ahsoka, but that's cool. I'm cool with that. All it takes is one mispronunciation, and James is in a whole other direction. Oh man, <laughs> a whole other existential plane, man. No. I've always said that about you. Sure, sure. I say it about myself. <laughs> Well, when you speak in the third person, of course. Mm, heard. So, Tim, what do you got for your end another thing this week? Uh, so mine, uh, I, I went and binged this last week uh, and then uh, actually listened today to Scruffy Looking Podcasters, although it was oh, two episodes ago when you guys uh, switched gears from Star Wars into Star Trek and did a bit of a Picard overview. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just, yeah, just really enjoyed Picard uh, the on, on CBS All Access. It was uh well done, um, and and I, I concur with a lot of the opinions expressed by the group uh, when I listened to uh, the the podcast today. So it was, oh, it was very yeah. very well done. Um, uh, and it, you know, it was also neat to, to hear you guys talk about you know Star Trek um, and how you guys each came into it and stuff, and just mm. you know just the passion there for 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 the sci fi was fantastic. So so yeah, so so the series was just a, a lot of fun to watch. I thought it was a really uh, really creative way to take the character uh great story and and just just the journey you go on across the 10 episodes was was just right i mean it's it's just 
I'm I'm liking how these series are, are not trying to go too crazy with the episodes. It's like just just tell a little bit of story and, and get us to a point and then let's do another season, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, Mandalorian, uh, Picard, a lot, lot, lot of these shows are I'm, I'm enjoying the smaller seasons. So uh, so, yeah, Watchmen. so check it out if you're a fan of uh, TNG and uh, and Captain Jean-Luc, good old JL. Uh, check it out. That was the hardest thing for me to get over <laughs> was her calling him JL. I'm like. Really? Like he didn't. He's not he didn't from Buster Texas down, for crying out loud. He didn't bust her down to Ensign for that. Like how? Did, like all he, it would have like all it would have taken is Wesley saying that once, and it would have been like the coldest ever. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> ever. I know, right? Actually, he would have put her. He would have put him out in airlock. He would have turned into. He would have turned into to President Roslin. Like out the airlock with him. Put him out the airlock, Admiral. <laughs> Worf would have been really excited for that. Like, yes, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, my gosh. Like that so that was my... in, uh, That episode in Next Generation when Q is turned into a human. is like, how can I prove to you that I'm human? And Worf says, <laughs> die. <laughs> and John, Delan- John Lancey's response periphery is like, oh, brilliant response, Worf. Eat any good books lately? <laughs> He was one of the great characters on that. Every time it was a Q episode, you're like, "Oh, come on!" It's be were, good. You still, were you were you a little disappointed that Q did not make an appearance? I was, yeah, yeah. I I, I was kind of hoping there would be that tie-in. I I really thought, and I again, you know, agree with with your guys' assessment. I thought the uh, actually, Todd, how far have you gone? Because I don't want to spoil it for you. I I have not finished. I've been trying to I've been trying to just keep pace with Westworld. So honestly, I'm I don't even remember what episode I'm on. I might be on like episode six or seven. I think it was episode seven. I don't want to say too much about it, but it, it's a very remin- uh, not reminiscent episode. What's the word I'm trying to find? It, it, it just it had characters in it that were very near and dear to Picard, and it was very cool to see the reunions going on there. Oh, you're talking about Riker and Troy? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I saw. I think that was the last one I okay, saw. Okay, okay. That episode for me was just such a fun one to watch. It was just so, oh, it was, so neat to see I the interactions that. between all of those actors and just the. Uh, just seeing the reunion of them all and and but but done in a way that wasn't you know it just didn't feel like heavy fan service you know it, it just felt like the yeah. right tone and, and it was actually the right breathing room given the, the the story that was told the episode before and then the story that was told after that episode it was just it was a nice kind of in between so so uh, can i ask you about that um and that tying and in, in tying into star wars Mm-hmm. to fan service right yeah i feel that picard did a way better job at inserting the easter egg fan service stuff than star oh, yeah. wars has the last whatever new trilogy three three movies that we've had oh yeah picard, picard did a great job at subtly dropping those things in you know like mm-hmm. Picard says when I was uh, ensign aboard the Reliant wait Reliant like Star Trek <laughs> Rapicon Reliant I'm just gonna drop that in there you know mm-hmm. or they mention yeah. um, the species that the Borg assimilated to get the 40,000 light year tr- mm-hmm. you know transport I think that was from Voyager season one or two or I think yep. one yep. I mean the fact that Ichab was in there and then he wasn't <laughs> Well, and and, and um, I thought I, I think it was Ed on your show brought up the uh, the theme song, 
and 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 just the the the, the deep cut there that the theme song oh, kind of uh, came was, from um, that was Kev Garbit, yeah. Oh, Kev. Yeah, the, the okay. From, the theme from it came from, I think, Eternal, Internal Light or Eternal Light. Yes, it was, yes. It was the flute, the theme of the flute. Yeah, I, I even thought, I mean, that, that that theme music was just so different. You know, it actually reminded me a lot of BSG. It, it was just very different theme music that didn't mm. really, not that it didn't reflect the tone of the show, but it, it just was just different from what I was expecting. You know, but it, it wove very nicely into, it, it was just kind of a very non-traditional sort of song i i would have thought for for a show like that but but yeah yeah it was it was really cool i i and i thought yeah they they managed it well i like like when hugh showed up i mean it was just he was another character he just showed mm-hmm. up you know and you're mm-hmm. like hey i know who that guy is but they're not throwing it in my face you know <laughs> yeah like, exactly and when he <laughs> when he and picard made that interaction with one it's like i don't know why you're here but i will help you that yeah was, that was so cool and yeah. i mean patrick stewart again the master of the of the human language you know, mm. of the english language you know what i mean like i just yes. absolutely and the queen's brilliant. english at that queen's <laughs> english that's heard yes i'm uh, now now uh, quick question to dive back a little bit a little bit because we're i don't know <clears throat> well you know what heck with it we've, we've done three hour episodes on stuff so why not um but i think the part of the reason we just tim and i discussed this before in um in one of our like one of our grab bag episodes I think one of the reasons why you can look at a at a series like Picard doing better fan service and, and those easter eggs and, and bringing those characters in and, and weaving it in also so nicely is I think they've done a better job expanding the universe there's a lot more layers for them to explore there's mm-hmm. a lot more area for them to explore where Star Wars was so concentrated on Skywalker yeah, and it and they really everything else related to Skywalkers, and that's why I think, you know, you could do that with with Star Trek because you have all these different areas that have been explored, and even though it all connects, they're far enough away from each other that there's a little bit of space in there to explore mm-hmm. for each one, as opposed to to Star Wars, like, well, we're stuck with we have to talk about Luke, we have to talk about Leia, we have to talk about Han, of course Chewie has to be in it. I mean, because otherwise we'll get will get killed on the internet you know i think that's, all those things I, I i actually think that's one of the reasons the mandalorian did as well as it did or, or has resonated the way that it has is because of the absence of that you know the fact that well, you're and it's you're, one of the reasons why i love star wars rebels and i'm, I'm i bet i'll love clone wars because i'm i'm guessing that it's along a similar vein of hey here's here's another backwater planet and characters you don't know and and yeah we'll tie in a lando we'll throw you a leia and you know yeah this guy shows up and that guy shows mm-hmm. up but otherwise it's just this we're fleshing out this area and we're showing yeah. you a whole different side of things that you're not really used to and it f- gives you a little bit of texture mm-hmm. that you can play with then later yeah yeah i dig it man absolutely so i think that and another thing will sl- will become a, a podcast in and of itself an episode of ours so Yes, as soon as I catch up. But I, I just finished watching episode six of Westworld today to try and stay current with that. Yeah. And oh my freaking lord, I'm not even. I'm glad we're not recording that one till next week because I'm not emotionally. You need prepared some time to, to process that one. That. All right, all right. I, I do. But I need, if, a, if, I need a few moments. But but if we do, Mr. Executive Producer, uh, when we do the Picard episode, I wonder if we should make an invite out to Mr. Jimmy Dice to come back on and talk with Ooh, us. I oh. would love to. Of course, but of course, the first three time, three time, three time. I mean, I mean, I'm guestos. I I dare say I am almost. I was 
say I'm more of a Star Trek fan than I am Star Wars. Oh, don't well, get yourself in trouble now. Don't get yourself in trouble. Well, this is out in the internet. Well, like, I know, forever. I know more about Star Wars than I do Star Trek, but Star Trek I had attached to first before Star mm. Wars, like growing up. I think Star Wars came first for me before Star Trek, although I will say I do have a bit of a more emotional connection with Star Trek because I do remember vividly going to see... I, I can't remember if it started with two or three, but I went to see like several Star Trek movies with my dad when they first came out, and it was kind of like a point of him taking me to the theater to see the to see the movies. Nice. And so that always kind of stuck with me. And I I almost think it was two. It might have been three though. Um, oh. And then we watched like we saw like two or three movies in a row, and it was it, that's always just been kind of cool for me. So there's a little bit deeper emotional connection for star trek but star wars i watched like mm-hmm. approximately a hundred times when it was on hbo that one summer when hbo first got it <laughs> and i i did go outside at all <laughs> <laughs> which did not help my history as a pudgy kid growing up at all because i was just pasty by the time i got so back you basically to class memorized you, you memorized shatner you're going con <laughs> no no i mean i when when like a new hope when a new hope was on HBO for the first time, ah, it was like, there we go. It was like early mid '80s when when HBO was first a thing, and then they finally got the licensing rights, and it was on like every other movie. Mm-hmm. It was like Star Wars, this other movie, Star Wars, this other movie, <laughs> like throughout the entire summer. They just milked that for all they could. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't mean to diverge that much, but then again, our listeners should be used to this by now. My another thing is is kind of a. It's not a specific thing. It's kind of a way of of viewing things that you might already be familiar with, and that is mo- watching movies in black and white. Uh, and this is something I'm I'm stealing blatantly from uh, this uh, writer and artist called Austin Cleon, who, I mean, he wrote a book called Steal Like an Artist. So I feel no shame in stealing anything from him. Uh, but he had this idea of watching movies uh, that are, you know, newer movies in black and white, and uh, part of it I think comes from a few years ago. I don't know if either of you guys saw this. In uh, I think someone did a an old school like movie house showing of Indiana Jones. Um, I'm going to use the original title, title Raiders of the Lost Ark before they threw the Indiana Jones in front of it because <laughs> I'm old school like that. But they did an old they did a Raiders uh, movie house showing where they stripped out all the dialogue. They did it as a silent movie Ooh. in black and white, hmm. and it worked because it is such a visual story. You don't really, you don't necessarily even need the dialogue to understand the movie. It's fantastic, and he had, uh, he had had this idea of watching these movies in black and white. And one of the ones that he pointed out, which was the one that uh, I watched with the kid a couple weeks ago, was Jurassic Park, which oh my nice. gosh, it works like the the scene with the with a T Rex when it comes out of the enclosure for the first time is like creepy. <laughs> it is it it is like dramatic. Yeah. And uh, I'll share the settings for it in the show notes. But you can do this on any TV that you can control your color settings and stuff like that. It's really just playing. It's bringing the color all the way down and and adjusting your brightness and contrast. And you're ready to go. Uh, Jurassic Park is a great one. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one that uh, I want to try. I actually wanted to try The Last Jedi in black and white. And I did not get a chance to do it. Um, a couple of movies recently have released on, um, when they released on Blu-ray, did a black and white cut. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road did it. They, mm-hmm. I think it was called the Chrome Cut or something like that. Logan did it, which I, uh, Logan, it was called Logan Noir. 
and man, it worked for Logan. Oh, it works so well for Logan. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I need to find a time when I can watch that. When you know, because I'm on lockdown, I've got the family around all the time now, and that's not a family flick, uh, oddly enough. Uh, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Hey, kid, you want to watch someone get stabbed through the head with three claws that come out of their out of their fist? Sling, sling, sling. Snick, <laughs> <laughs> snick. Ah! Oh, yeah, my, my, my kid's in counseling for the rest of her life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, well, but anyway, so that's my advice. Uh, go back and, and adjust the color settings on your TV. Watch, old, watch movies that you have watched a bunch of times. Watch them in black and white and see if it makes a difference. And see the little things that you notice and how it, it really draws your eye to different things. I, that, that was the thing that surprised me uh, watching Jurassic Park. Because I've watched Jurassic Park quite a few times. But my eye was drawn to different things in the scenes because of the lack of color in the scene. Yeah. And it really... The contrast in some of those things made me pay attention to different things, uh, and it's it, it's a, it's a really cool way to to look at things that you've seen a, a bunch of different times, in a new way. Nice, 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 dude, nice. That's my thing for this week. So uh, thank you, uh, Jimmy Dice, for once again uh, being our guest on the show. And uh, you know, where can we find scruffy looking podcasters? Well, dude, dude, thanks for uh, having me on. Really appreciate it. Second time guest. That's really Woo-hoo. awesome. Really appreciate First it. First one ever. Yeah, yeah. Your free set of steak knives is on the way. Ooh, <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, they're broken and they're dull, but... Hey, man, it's going to be better know. than the ones I sold in high school, right? <laughs> Anyways, um... Did you sell Cutco? I did not sell Cutco. <laughs> I love how dismissive you are of oh that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Would you think I am? besmirching my good name sir what am i some kind of savage anyways <laughs> so yeah i i uh, you can follow me jimmy dice uh i'm part of the scruffy looking podcast you can find us on twitter at scruffy podcast and myself jimmy dice on twitter at hebert 207 and as as tim has said your your podcast is quite awesome it is a great listen Everyone should go and well. First of all, they ought to subscribe to our damn podcast first. I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't want to short play that. Subscribe to us first, and then go find scruffy looking podcasters and subscribe to them second. Okay, that's that's just the way it works. I'm sure that they would do it the other way around for us too. Uh, but thank you all for, for, for tuning in, for listening, for, for subscribing, for following us on the interwebs. We appreciate it. If you've made it this far into the episode, damn it, have yourself a drink on us because mm-hmm. you deserve it. And once again, I'm going to turn this over to the less idiotic of the two idiots uh. who run this podcast. And, and Tim, would you please, sir, take us home? Absolutely. Uh, James, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. Do, do, do give the scruffy-looking podcasters a listen. Uh, while we're on lockdown, a lot of time on our hands to consume content, consume some of theirs, consume some of ours, you know, watch consume. some of the... Uh, consume. consume. Uh, you know, rewatch some Star Wars, rewatch some Star Trek, TNG, Picard. Gosh, read the Thrawn trilogy if, if you have any Star Wars fandom inside of you. But yeah, just uh, be good to each other. Be safe. Leave some TP for someone in the store. You know what I mean? Don't 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 empty the aisle. It just it's not cool. That's but hurt. Uh, hurt. you know, I, it 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 drives me crazy. But anyways, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, above all else, please hit the lights on the way out. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! 
you're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Yeah, yeah.